So I finally finished the Sword in the Stone book. It's not called that. What's it called? It's called The Once and Future King by T.H. White. It is, uh, it's, it's four books, and the first book is The Sword in the Stone. Uh, you may have seen the Disney movie. Uh, from what I can remember, it's pretty accurate. At least he turns into a fish and a bunch of other animals. And I'm not going to try and give away too much of the story if you want to read it, because, by the way, while I didn't enjoy every moment of reading it, uh, I do think it was a pretty good book, extremely well written. I um, hold T.H. White in pretty high regard after having read it, but um, wasn't, you know, good from start to finish, I don't think. But I am glad to have read it. It, it when a, a when a book has as much um, clout as this type of book, then I don't have to enjoy every second of it to, in the end, uh, you know, have been glad to have read it. You know, I I enjoy kind of just reading uh, a book that has been, you know, spoken of by so many people, and you know, it's kind of like a historical. Um, book. It was written, I think it was started in like the 30s or something and finished maybe in the 50s. Can't remember exactly, but guess what? We're not really here to talk about that book. Uh, we're going to actually talk about the sources of Mr. White when reading, when writing that book. And that is primarily this book called Le Mort de Arthur, I don't, look, that's my best French accent. I have no idea. But it's called The Death of Arthur. Um, Subtitle, King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table. Now, here's the thing. This is, this appears to be a very long book. Uh, It's in two volumes, it says. And I'm like looking over these chapter titles and they're kind of hilarious. Of a damsel which dams, dam, damosel, it's spelt damosel, I'm guessing it's damsel, which came girt with a sword for to find a man of such virtue to dry out of the scabbard. That's chapter one of book two. Let's see another one. How a dwarf reproved Balin for the death of Lancelor, and how King Mark of Cornwall found them and made a tomb over them. Whoa. How King Pellinore rode after the lady and the knight that led her away, and how a lady desired help of him, and how he fought with two knights for that lady, of whom he slew the one at the first stroke. What? Whoa. Uh, and you know what? That's part of the... That's one aspect I didn't like about um, The Once and Future King. it's like chopping off someone's head is just such a mundane, regular thing to do. It kind of made me sick, but you know, uh, white was working with this older, uh, material. So there you go. Um, I'm sure he didn't take it lightly. Uh, how a Senator told to Lucius of their discomfiture and also of the great battle between Arthur and Lucius. (laughs) These titles are just great. Uh, maybe one more. How Bowmanes fought with the Knight of the Black Lands and fought with him till he fell down and died. 
That's just great. I'm just picking these at random. And that's actually what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to pick one of these at random. We'll read a chapter and we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm kind of surprised because the ones in Future Night, um, after the, the, it's four books and books two and three really focus on Sir Lancelot. And I'm actually surprised that um, I don't see his name as much in here. There is a bunch. In, in fact, it looks like book six is mostly about Sir Lancelot. But that's actually small compared to the other books. So anyway, I don't know. I guess maybe um, Mr. White just kind of picked his favorite knight. I think Lancelot's is everyone's favorite knight, right? So he just picked like the the most famous one. So let's... Dude, nah, you know what? Okay, I was going to pick a Lancelot one, but I'm going to pick this Balin guy because I don't know who this guy is. It sounds like a guy. I mean, there is a Balin in Lord of the Rings. I wonder if that's where uh, Tolkien was inspired. Uh, so we're going to pick something from book two. Um, let's see. I'm going to pick it random. Let's go. Uh, how Balin met with that knight named garlon at a feast and there he slew him to have his blood to heal therewith the son of his host yikes yikes i don't want to read that one um let's see how balan arrayed like a poor knight pulled out the sword after which word at which afterward was the cause of his death. So this is showing how Balin died, but it's chapter two of book two, which is all about Balin. I'm confused. Uh, okay, I just really need to pick one. I'm going to pick the first chapter of book two. It's the one I read. I think it was the first thing I read, right? Of a damsel which came girt with a sword for to find a man of such virtue to draw it out of the scabbard. Here we go. Oh my god, you guys, this is super short. <laughs> it's okay. All right, it's okay. We're going to we're going to read the it's three paragraphs. Okay, here we go. We'll get a feel for uh what it's like and then maybe we'll read a Lancelot one. After the death of Uther Pendragon, reigned Arthur his son. The which had great war in his days for to get all England into his hand. For there were many kings within the realm of England, and in Wales, Scotland, and Cornwall. So it befell on a time when King Arthur was at London, there came a knight and told the king's tidings how that the king Rience of North Wales had reared a great number of people and were entered into the land, and burnt and slew the king's true liege people. If this be true said Arthur, it were great shame unto mine estate, but that he were mightily withstood. It is truth, said the knight, for I saw the host myself. Well, said the king, let make a cry that all the lords, knights, and gentlemen of arms should draw unto a castle called Camelot in those days, and there the king would let make a council general and had, and a great jousts interesting that that quotation kind of turned into a narration <laughs> not really sure why um it, I, 
I mean, is this describing him, the founding of the round table? It sounds like it. It just kind of seems weird that it would just be in like one little sentence. But anyway, um, so when the king was come thither with all his baronage and lodged as they seemed best, there was come a damsel that which was sent on message from the great lady Lyle of Avellion. And when she came before King Arthur, she told from whom she came and how she was sent on message unto him for these causes. Then she let her mantle fall that was richly furred, and then was she girt with a noble sword, whereof the king had marvel, and said, Damsel, for what cause are ye girt with that sword? It beseemeth you not. Now shall I tell you, said the damsel, this sword that I am girt withal doth me great sorrow and cumbrance. I love this speech. For I may not be delivered of this sword, but by a knight. But he must be a passing good man of his hands and of his deeds, and without villainy or treachery and without treason. And if I may find such a knight that hath all these virtues, he may draw out this sword out of the sheath. For I have been at King Rience's, for I have been at King Rience's, it was told me there were great passing good knights. Again, what a, that's a strange way to structure a sentence. And he and all his knights have assayed it, and none can speed. Okay, so at King Rience says she tried this, but no knight could get the sword out, apparently. This is a great marvel, said Arthur, if it be sooth. (laughs) I will myself assay to draw out the sword, not presuming upon myself that I am the best knight, but that I will begin to draw at your sword in giving example to all the barons that they shall assay every itch. Every ch, spelled weird. Every ch, one after other, when I have assayed it. Then Arthur took the sword by the sheath and by the girdle and pulled at it eagerly, but the sword would not out. So I guess Arthur's saying, "Let me go first, but just as an example, I'm not. I'm not calling myself uh, without sin." Anyway, he looks like he couldn't get it out. Sir, said the damsel, you need not pull so half you need not pull half so hard, for he that shall pull it out shall do it with little might. Ye say well, said Arthur. Now assay ye all my barons, but beware ye be not defiled with shame, treachery, or guile. Then it will not avail, said the damsel. For he must be a clean knight without villainy and of a gentle strain of father side and mother side. <laughs> Most of all the barons of the round table that were there at that time assayed all by row, but there might none speed. Wherefore the damsel made great sorrow out of measure and said, Alas, I weaned in this court had been the best knights without treachery or treason. I weaned, I wanted, I guess. By my faith, 
by my faith, said Arthur, here are good knights, as I deem, as any be in the world, but their grace is not to help you. <laughs> Wherefore, I am displeased. <laughs> okay. So they all tried. None of them could. And uh, the damsel says, it's too bad none of you guys are good knights. But Arthur says, no, they're good knights. They're just not, it wasn't in their cards to help you. Okay, that was interesting. That was interesting. Um, Let's read the next one. The next one is called, How Balin, arrayed like a poor knight, pulled out the sword, which afterward was the cause of his death. I'm telling you, he's not going to die right here, though, because he's in a lot more chapters after this. So, I mean, unless there's discontinuity in this story, which, you know, I guess wouldn't be surprising. Uh, And just quickly, how long is this one? It is just slightly longer. Okay. Then fell it so, that time, there was a poor knight with King Arthur that had been prisoner with him half a year and more for slaying of a knight, the which was cousin unto King Arthur. The name of this knight was called Balin, and by good means of the barons he was delivered out of prison, for he was a good man named of his body, and he was born in Northumberland. And so he went privily into the court, and saw this adventure, whereof it raised his heart, and he would assay it as other knights did. But for he was poor and poorly arrayed, he put him not far in press. But in his heart he was fully assured to do as well. If his grace happed him as any knight that there was... And as the damsel took her leave of Arthur and of all the barons, so departing, this knight Balin called unto her and said, Damsel, I pray you of your courtesy, suffer me as well to assay as these lords, though that I be so poorly clothed in my heart, me seemeth I am fully assured as some of these others, and me seemeth in my heart to speed right well. The damsel beheld the poor, the poor knight and saw he was a likely man, but for his poor arraignment, she thought he should be of no worship without villainy or treachery. And then she said unto the knight, Sir, it needeth not to put me to more pain or labor, for it seemeth not you to speed there as other have failed. Ah, Fair damsel, said Balin, worthiness and good tatches and good deeds are not only in arraignment, but manhood and worship is hid within man's person. Well said, Balin, and many a worshipful knight is not known unto all people, and therefore worship and hardiness is not in arraignment. Arraignment being clothes, I think, right? By God, said the damsel, Ye say sooth, therefore ye shall assay to do what ye may. Then Balin took the sword by the girdle and sheath and drew it out easily. Ha! Cinch! 
And when he looked on the sword, it pleased him much. Then he had the king and all the barons great marvel that Balan had done that adventure, and many knights had great despite of Balan. Certes, said the damsel, this is a passing good knight, and the best that ever I found, and most of worship without treason, treachery, or villainy, and many marvels shall he do. I don't know who Certes is. Does that mean certainly? Certes, said the damsel? I don't know. Now, gentle and courteous knight, give me the sword again. Nay, said Balin, <laughs> for this sword will I keep, but it be taken from me with force. Whoa. Well, said the damsel, ye are not wise to keep the sword from me, for ye shall slay with the sword the best friend that ye have, and the man that ye most love in the world, and the sword shall be your destruction. Oh, I shall take the adventure, said Balin, that God will ordain me, but the sword ye shall not have at this time, by the faith of my body. Ye shall repent it within short time, said the damsel, for I would have the sword more your avail than for mine, for I am passing heavy for your sake. For ye will not believe that sword shall be your destruction, and that is great pity. With that, the damsel departed, making great sorrow. Okay, so she's prophesied that this sword will be his destruction. Anon after, Balin sent for his horse and armor, and so would depart from the court, and took his leave of King Arthur. I thought he was a poor knight, but he's got armor and a horse. Nay, said the king, I suppose ye will not depart so lightly from this fellowship. I suppose ye are displeased that I have showed you unkindness. Blame me the less, for I was misinformed against you. But I weened ye had not been such a good knight as ye are. Of worship and prowess, and if ye will abide in this court among my fellowship, I shall so advance you as ye shall be pleased. God thank your highness, said Balin. Your bounty and highness may no man praise half to the value. But at this time, I must needs depart. Oh man, this Balin guy, he doesn't listen to anyone. Beseeching you alway of your good grace. Truly, said the king, I am right wroth with for your departing. I pray you, fair knight, that ye tarry not long, and ye shall be right welcome to me and to my barons, and I shall amend all miss that I have done against you. God thank your great lordship, said Balin, and therewith made him ready to depart. Then the most part of the knights of the round table said that Balin did not this adventure all only by might, but by witchcraft. <laughs> what? Uh, they were jealous. He must be a witch. We couldn't pull it out. He must be a witch. So the hardest thing about these stories are not necessarily the old language. I mean, that definitely isn't easy, but it's that there's no quotes. So I don't know when someone is going to start talking. Makes it a little difficult. 
But I think I'm getting the hang of it. Reading a little bit more slowly than I normally would definitely helps. So I think we're going to move on to some Sir Lancelot stories now. Uh, One stands out to me. The chapter is called, it's chapter 11 of book six. Um, It's called How Sir Lancelot Slew Two Giants and made a castle free. And that, my friends, is what I'm going to read now. Anon withal came there upon him two great giants. Well, we just get started right away, don't we? Well-armed, all save the heads, with two horrible clubs in their hands. Oh, yeah, I wanted to say, with that previous story about the sword, um, I mean, that was very similar to pulling the sword out of the stone, you know? It's just now the sword is on a woman, and you've had, okay, so anyway, uh, this, this, these two great giants, now they're reminding me of like the story in the Bible, uh, is it David who slew the, the giant with a sling. I think he was armored except for one little spot on his head. Anyway. All right. Uh, okay. Save the heads with two horrible clubs in their hands. All right. Sir Lancelot put his shield afore him and put the stroke away of the one giant. And with his sword, he clave his head asunder. Okay, so there goes one giant. (laughs) Is this going to be another short one? (laughs) I didn't check. When his fellow saw that, he ran away as he were wood. As he were wood. W-O-O-D. Okay. For fear of the horrible strokes. And Lancelot, after him with all his might and smote him on the shoulder and clave him to the navel. Yikes! Then Sir Lancelot went into the hall and there came afore him three score ladies and damsels. Oh boy. And all kneeled unto him and thanked God and him of their deliverance. For sir, said they, the most party of us have been here this seven year their prisoners. And we have worked all manner of silk works for our meat. And we are all great gentlewomen born. And blessed be the time, knight, that ever thou be born. For thou hast done the most worship that ever did knight in this world. That will we bear record. And we all pray you to tell us your name, that we may tell our friends who delivered us out of prison. Fair damsel, he said, my name is Sir Lancelot du Lac. Ah, sir, said they all, well mayest thou be he, for else save yourself, as we deemed, there might never knight have the better of these two giants. For many fair knights have essayed it, and here have ended, and many times have we wished after you, and these two giants dread never knight but you yeah uh, Lancelot's really famous everyone knows about him so that they were hoping he'd come by isn't that interesting though like back in the day there was no photography and like you know who knows if you know maybe Lancelot has had a painting commissioned of himself but like who's seen it no one so like people just didn't know what people looked like back then I find that interesting Now may ye say, said Sir Lancelot, unto your friends how and who hath delivered you, and greet them all from me, 
and if that I come in any of your marches, show me such cheer as ye have cause, and what treasure that there that there in this castle is, I give it you for a reward for your grievance. And the Lord that is owner of this castle, I would he received it all is right. Okay. Again, very strangely worded, but he's deeming the castle and all the goods in it property of these damsels now. Fair sir, said they, the name of this castle is Tintagil, and a duke ought it sometime that had wedded fair Ingrain, and after wedded her Uther Pendragon, and gat on her Arthur. <laughs> okay, I'll explain this. Ingrain is the daughter of the queen that was taken and raped by Uther Pendragon. I know this because I read the the Once and Future King book. I think I got that right. And as it turns out, um, <laughs> Sir Arthur is the daughter of Ingrain and Uther's uh, rape experience. So um, I don't even know where I'm going with that, but that's just, that's what, <laughs> what, what was it? First, sir, they said the name of this castle is Tintagil and a duke ought it sometime that had wedded fair Ingrain. Okay, that I don't understand. How did I get something? And after wedded her, you know, I'm not even going to bother with this. I don't care who he is or, uh, okay. Well said, Sir Lancelot, I understand to whom this castle longeth. And so he departed from them and betaught them unto God. (laughs) Okay, whatever. And then he mounted upon his horse and rode into many strange and wild countries and through many waters and valleys and evil was he lodged. And at the last by fortune him happened against a knight to come to a fair courtelage. And therein he found an old gentlewoman that lodged him with goodwill. And there he had good cheer for him and his horse. And when time was, his host brought him into a fair garret over the gate to his bed. Okay, so showed him his room. There Sir Lancelot unarmed him and set his harness by him and went to bed. And anon he fell asleep. So soon after there came one on horseback and knocked at the gate in great haste. And when Sir Lancelot heard this, he arose up and looked out at the window and saw by the moonlight three knights came riding after that riding after that one man and all three lashed on him at once with swords. And that one knight turned on them knightly again and defended him. Okay, so he sees three knights chasing after another knight. Truly, said Sir Lancelot, yonder one knight shall I help, for it were shame for me to see three knights on one. And if he be slain, I am partner of his death. And therewith he took his harness and went out at a window by a sheet down to the four knights. Oh, whoa. He literally just did the escape from the window by a bedsheet trick. And then Sir Lancelot said on high, Turn, you knights, unto me, and leave your fighting with that knight. 
And then they all three left Sir Kay. Oh, it was Sir Kay. Sir Kay is um, the brother. I mean, no, not brother. I mean, he was raised as the... Uh, okay, so, so, so King Arthur didn't know he was son of Uther Pendragon for his childhood. He was given to this baron to be raised, and the baron's son was Kay. So Kay was being prepared to be a, a, a knight. And the whole time, Arthur, called the wart at this time, was um, was his page or his... Um, is that what it's called? The, the person who um, carries the armor and everything for a knight? I think it's a page maybe. I don't know. It might be something else. Anyway, so that's who Kay is. Kay was the... Is the, the you know, you can consider him Arthur's brother. And then all three left Sir Kay. So Sir Kay was being chased by the three knights and turned unto Sir Lancelot. And there began great battle for they alighted all three and struck many great strokes at Sir Lancelot and assailed him on every side. Then Sir Kay dressed him for to have holpen Sir Lancelot. Come again, holpen? I don't know. Nay, sir, said he, I will none of your help. Therefore, as ye will have my help, let me alone with them. I'm totally confused. Sir Kay, for the pleasure of the night. Okay, Sir Kay, for the pleasure of the night, suffered him for to do his will, and so stood aside. And then anon, within six strokes, Sir Lancelot had stricken them to the earth. Okay, so I think Sir Kay was like, let me help. And Sir Lancelot was like, no, 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 I got this. And then they all three cried, Sir Knight. Oh, I thought he, oh, he had just stricken them to the earth. He did not kill them. Okay. And then they all three cried, Sir Knight, we yield unto, we yield us unto you as a man of might makeless. Huh? Might makeless. As to that, said Sir Lancelot, I will not take your yielding unto me. But so that ye will yield you unto Sir Kay the Seneschal, Seneschal, on that covenant, I will save your lives and else not. So he's saying, don't yield to me, yield to Sir Kay. Fair knight, said they, that we were loath to do so, (laughs) for as for Sir Kay, we chased him hither and had overcome him, had not ye been. Therefore, to yield us unto him, it were no reason. (laughs) I love this logic. Well, as to that, said Sir Lancelot, advise you well, for ye may choose whether ye will die or live. For for an ye be yolden, it shall be unto Sir Kay. <laughs> this is old English, guys. Yolden. Fair knight, then said they, in saving in saving of our lives. We will do as thou commandest us. Then shall ye, said Sir Lancelot, on Whit Sunday next coming, go unto the court of King Arthur, and there shall ye yield, shall ye yield you unto Queen Guinevere, and put you all three in her grace and mercy, and say that Sir Kay sent you thither to be her prisoners. Yeah, this happens a lot in the book. Basically, you're out questing, you beat a knight, but you don't you don't kill him, and they're your prisoner now, and you send them to the queen. 
so that now they're the queen's prisoners. I don't, I mean, or I don't know, maybe this is just what Lancelot does, but I feel like he did that a few times. Sir, they said, it shall be done by the faith of our bodies and we be living. And there they swore every night upon his sword. And so Sir Lancelot suffered them so to depart. And then Sir Lancelot knocked at the gate with the pommel of his sword. And with that came his host. And in they entered Sir Kay and he. Sir, said his host, I weened ye had been in your bed. So I was, said Sir Lancelot. But I rose and leapt out at my window for to help an old fellow of mine. And so when they came night. And so when they came nigh the light, Sir Kay knew well that it was Sir Lancelot, and therewith he kneeled down and thanked him of all his kindness that he had holpen him twice from the death. Holpen. Helped. Sir, he said, I have nothing done but that me ought for to do, <laughs> and ye are welcome. And here shall ye repose you and take your rest. I have nothing done but that me ought for to do. I love it. So when Sir Kay was unarmed, he asked after meat. So there was meat fetched him, and he ate strongly. And when he had supped, they went to their beds and were lodged together in one bed. (laughs) I guess that's how you did it back then. On the morn, Sir Lancelot rose early and left Sir Kay sleeping. And Sir Lancelot took Sir Kay's armor and his shield. What? And armed him so that he went to the stable. Wait, what? And took his horse and took his leave of his of his host. And so he departed. Then soon after, Sir Kay arose Sir Kay and missed Sir Lancelot. And then he espied that he had his armor and his horse. Now by my faith, I know well that he will grieve some of the court of King Arthur, for on him knights will be bold and deem that it is I, and that will beguile them. And because of his armor and shield, I am sure I shall ride in peace. And then soon after departed Sir Kay and thanked his host. So Sir Kay is donning Sir Lancelot's armor, and everyone knows Sir Lancelot is a badass, so now they're not going to bother Sir Kay as he's riding along. Wow. What a guy. What a guy. All right. We are going to do one more, and I think I'm not going to do it in order because I don't think it matters. Wow, those giants, they went quick, didn't they? They went quick. Um, Okay. I see one that I actually know. I remember reading this one. It's called How Sir Lancelot, at the request of a lady, recovered a falcon by which he was deceived. Yes. Okay. Um, we're going to read about this falcon recovery. Uh, I, can't, I don't know if it's called falconry or if there's another word for it, but um, that is featured a lot in the once and future king. So, you know, I, I guess they really enjoyed training falcons to do their bidding back in the day. Here we go. And so Sir Lancelot rode through many strange countries over marshes and valleys till by fortune he came to a fair castle 
and as he passed beyond the castle, him thought he heard two bells ring. And then was he aware of a falcon came flying over his head. I'm not misreading any of this. I just want you to know. Toward an high elm uh, and long loons about her feet. And as she flew unto the elm to take her perch, the loons overcast about a bow. A bow. I just had a conversation with this word with my wife. It's bow. When the bow breaks, the cradle will rock. I always want to say bow, but it's bow, a tree branch, right? Okay. And when she would have taken her flight, she hung by the legs fast. And Sir Lancelot saw how she hung and beheld the fair falcon Paragot, and he was sorry for her. I don't know what Paragot means. Does that mean lame? The falcon is lame? I don't know. The meanwhile came a lady out of the castle and cried on high, O oh, Lancelot, Lancelot, as thou art flower of all knights, help me to get my hawk, for my hawk, for and for and my hawk be lost, my lord will destroy me. For I kept the hawk, and she slipped from me, and if my lord, my husband, wit it, he is so hasty that he will slay me. What is your lord's name? said Sir Lancelot. Dude, I, people are just so, like, rageful in these <laughs> stories. They'll just kill anybody. It's insane. Uh, what is your lord's name? said Sir Lancelot. Sir, she said, his name is Sir Pellot. Felot. Felot. Let's call it Felot. P-H-E-L-O-T. Felot. A knight that longeth unto the king of Northgallus. Well, fair lady, since that ye know my name and require me of knighthood to help you, I will do what I may to get your hawk. And yet God knoweth I am in an ill, <laughs> knoweth I am an ill climber, and the tree is passing high, and few boughs to help me withal. <laughs> and therewith Sir Lancelot alighted and tied his horse to the same tree. Okay, so Lancelot's not a good climber, and there ain't many branches. Uh, so tied his horse to the same tree and prayed the lady to unarm him. And so when he was unarmed, he put off all his clothes unto his shirt and breech and with might and force, he clomb up to the falcon and tied the lines to a great rotten boishi and threw the hawk down and it with all. I have never seen the word boishi spelt just like boy, she, one word, uh, but it, it's it's a branch, a rotten boishi. I remember, I know this because, well, what else can rot up on the top of a tree? And in the Once in Future Night, he just says branch. Anon the lady gat the hawk in her hand, and therewithal came out Sir Felot out of the grove suddenly. That was her husband, all armed and with his naked sword in his hand, and said, O oh, knight Lancelot, now have I found thee as I would and st as I would, and stood at the bole of the tree to slay him. Ah, lady, said Sir Lancelot, why have you betrayed me? She hath done, said Sir Philot, but as I commanded her, and therefore there nis none other boot 
but thine hour is come that thou must die. <laughs> Nis none other boot. That were shame unto thee, said Sir Lancelot, thou an armed knight to slay a naked man by treason. Thou gettest none other grace, said Sir Philot, and therefore help thyself and thyself and and thou canst whatever truly said sir lancelot that shall be thine shame but since thou wilt do none other take mine harness with thee and hang my sword upon a bow that i may get it and then do thy best to slay me and thou canst so he's saying give me my sword first and then try lancelot likes a fair battle Nay, nay, said Sir Philot, for I know thee better than thou weenest. We've all learned this word, weenest, than thou knowest, I guess. Therefore thou gettest no weapon, and I may keep you therefrom. Alas, said Sir Lancelot, that ever a knight should die weaponless. And therewith he waited above him and under him, and over his head he saw a roan-spike, a roan-spike, dunno, a big bow leafless, okay, a big, I said bow, a big bow leafless, and therewith he break it off by the body, and then he came lower and awaited how his own horse stood, and suddenly he leapt on the further side of the horse, forward the knight. And then Sir Philot lashed at him eagerly, weening to have slain him. But Sir Lancelot put away the stroke with the roan speak. And therewith he smote him on the one side of the head that he fell down in a swoon to the ground. Okay, so we beat him with a stick. So then Sir Lancelot took his sword out of his hand and struck his neck from the body. Then, like, does that mean he chopped his head off? Then cried the lady, Alas, why hast thou slain my husband? I am not causer. Oh, okay, so he did kill him. I am not causer, said Sir Lancelot, for with falsehood ye would have had me slain with treason. And now it is fallen on you both. And then she swooned as though she would die. And therewithal Sir Lancelot gat all his armor as well as he might, and put it upon him for dread of more resort. For he dreaded that the knight's castle was so nigh. And so, as soon as he might, he took his horse and departed, and thanked God that he had escaped that adventure. <sighs> Sir Lancelot... He loves a good adventure, but he also requires a fair fight. That is what I've learned about Sir Lancelot, who, by the way, is a horrible person. If you ever read this book that I read, The Once and Future King, or these stories, I am guessing you will learn in either of them how he's kind of a bad dude. But you know what? They all they all are. Literally, that is true. The main character, all the main characters I can think of are all horrible people. Um, that was fun. I think I'm going to leave it there. I might read some more. This was interesting just for pleasure. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. 
I encourage you to, you know what? I would encourage you to read The Once and Future King over these stories. These stories are good. They're difficult to read, though. And, you know, they're fun. I think they're fun just to read a few of them. Uh, but I think you'll get more out of, like, a, the nice, well-written story from T.H. White. He is an amazing author. Um, you'll learn You'll have to look up a lot of words if you do that kind of thing. I like to look up words as I read uh, because his language, first of all, is, you know, language hasn't changed that much since the 30s when he started writing it, but it's changed a little bit. But also he's describing scenes from like the 600s or something, and he uses words that um, they used back then. It's not thee and thou, but it's like just they have words for things that are in and around castles that we just don't use today. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, vocabulary, but um, it's a great it's a I was going to say it's a great story. It's it's a good story. There's some surprises. I mean, maybe they shouldn't have been surprises, but there were definitely surprises. And I do have to say the final chapters were actually really good, Um, like really good on uh, the story was pretty good but i think th white really put a very nice touch into the last couple chapters in kind of giving the whole giant story because it's a big book a good moral at the end um and a good like reason to have been written um so anyway that's my review i hope you guys enjoyed some of these uh tales from i didn't even find out when these things were written but i think oh i don't know when this was by mallory um when were they written can i find that out real quick uh i'm just gonna do this le mort de arthur 15th century middle english prose there you go so in the 1400s this was written 